0: Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the com studios. It is August 3rd, 2021. Come on in, friends. We have a wonderful smorgasbord for you today. Kenneth Iggy Strode will be a part of the podcast, Jackson. How's that make you feel? It's awesome.
1: He's a, he's a great addition, and I'm looking forward to hearing some of his tales.
0: A uh, question came in that I think will, I think will uh, serve as a good deep dive. We've been requesting a deep dive for Iggy for the last couple of weeks. Um, and I think we've got one kind of Iggy history on not just this show, but also uh, in radio in St. Louis. So that's, uh, that's coming your way in addition to your questions, comments, no erotic stories this week. I'm not happy about it. Angry, actually real mm-hmm. angry. Yeah. Uh, but you can always email in anything you want for questions, comments, erotic stories, anything deep dive requests. Team McKernan at inside TMCK E-R-N-A-N at InsideSTL.com. We do this program from the HomeLoanExpert.com studio. So I'm, I'm in the midst. I don't know what we're going to do of looking at homes mm-hmm. and whether that be uh, here or in Florida, we're doing it. And so for the purpose of everything, I'm just making sure I'm, I'm ready. You know what they say? You know what John Mazaloc says? Dry powder, dry powder. So I want to make sure I have dry powder. And I'm getting pre-approved yet again with Ryan Kelly, the HomeLoanExpert.com. And uh, and it is such an easy process for something that really, if you're going to be buying a home in 2021, is a necessity. And that is making sure that you go to the seller with pre-approval at the very least, at the absolute very least. And so it's just something that I'm doing right now. And I refinanced with him in April of 2020, and I'm getting pre-approved yet again. It's Ryan Kelly, the HomeLoanExpert.com, I recommend in a major way. Once you do buy a home with Ryan Kelly, then you get it insured with James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. He is my insurance agent, and I speak very highly of him because I have firsthand experience with knowing how good of a person he is to work with and how great his staff is. Just one of the many things that separates James Carlton from any other local insurance company is their capacity. They have a large team of nine people, and that means service other companies cannot provide. They challenge anyone to leave a voicemail during business hours. It's tough to do. You need something, it's going to get done fast, effectively, and without any hold times or prompt call. 314 961 4800 Or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. And you have Seth Goldcamp a design, air, heating, and cooling. Looking at the forecast this week, it looks like for August, the first week August in St. Louis, we're having ridiculously beautiful weather. But, uh, yeah, I mean, highs in the mid-80s throughout the week, lows in the low 60s. But when it warms up again, and then I see 97, and I see 97, and I see 93, and I see 93 next week, you're going to want to make sure that air conditioning is firing on all cylinders. If it is not, if it is not, well, guess what? Design Air Heating and Cooling is where you go. Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. The official HVAC provider, the Ryan Kelly Morning After, and the Tim McKernan Show podcast. It is Design Air Heating and Cooling, the great Seth Goldcamp and his staff. And I just got an email from Jamie Burkhardt at Monganass. Iggy has just entered the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Before I even tell the people what the special is for the month of August, I say Monk and I say Jamie Burkhard, I say Clayton Patterson. What comes to
2: mind for you, Iggy? Uh, two of the greatest guys I've ever met. How about that? Probably wouldn't have a job without them because I'd be without a car, wouldn't have a work a way to get to work. I'd have been fired. Um, they've taken care of me on numerous occasions, and I couldn't be happier and thank them enough.
0: We've had a lot of automotive partners over the years on this show. Um, and it's not to say that the others were not good. It's just this relationship for whatever reason is great. And the uh I think one of the things that Jamie does so well is you make sure he has specials specific to our audience. So I literally this was sent at ten twelve and we're talking at ten fourteen. So I'm reading it for the first time. Tim, good morning. Programs for August. Uh let's see. Around the country, new car supplies are low. However, here at St. Louis Acura and Alton, Toyota. We still have new cars. Some dealers are selling with no discount, but not to our TMA customers. Come and mention the Ryan Kelly morning after the Tim McKernan show podcast, and you receive a thousand dollars off any 2021 new vehicle. Plus any rebates that may apply. How about that? A thousand dollars off just by mentioning the Ryan Kelly morning after the Tim McKernan show podcast. Also, their big push is over 300 pre-owned vehicles to choose from. That is ridiculous supply because a lot of people are looking for pre-owned cars right now. The supply is low, but not at stlouisacura.com, not at altontoyota.com. It's Munganest. Please visit altontoyota.com and stlouisacura.com. There it is. That's directly from Jamie Burkhardt, the best. Jamie Burkhardt and Clayton Patterson, Munganez, stlouisacura.com, altontoyota.com. Iggy, welcome in for the fun and games. I haven't seen you in a while. How you been? Yeah, it's been at least what would you say, fifteen minutes since we just <laughs> voted on uh, the design air, heating and cooling email today. Yeah, um, you, me, and the Plowhawk started questions from the audience. I think.
2: Am I right on that? We did, and then Plowsy had to had start, to start doing running to the board for Frank. Frank That's show. what it was and then you didn't feel like doing it with me by yourself. That's not true. That's right there. That's an unfortunate so, uh, That's an unfortunate <laughs> comment. That's
0: an unfortunate
2: comment. <laughs> no, I think I probably, that was a
0: way for me to get out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm not going to dispute that. But I've been requesting the people to send in something specific for you. We've gotten a bunch asking for you to basically just attack Jason Barrett. I thought, let's see if we can do something maybe where that might wind up happening. But uh, you can tell... Uh, more of your stories and not just Jason Barrett's stories. And I think, I think we've got one here and I'm actually looking for, cause I don't know. I don't know some of these stories or I don't know some of the background. Here we go. It came in uh, yesterday, actually yesterday evening. Hey, Tim, big fan of the show. And I've been a loyal listener uh, for about four years now. I live out of state on the East coast and have a pretty long commute to work every day. I PLTD all three hours of the show on my way to and from work and TMA is my little part of St. Louis. I can enjoy every day. So thank you and the TMA crew for that. I saw your Facebook post, and I really want Iggy to get on to a QFTA session. So, my question is, what is the origin of Iggy on TMA? As I said before, I've only been a listener for four years. Iggy always mentions his past experiences with radio, and all of them seem to be with 590 or what 590 previously was, such as 1380. Not sure how to explain these previous stations' ownership and how they relate to 590, but I'm sure you can expound. Anyway, that's not really the point of my question. My question is, how did Iggy come about to be on TMA? I hear the show talk about the audio postcards. Is that how the relationship initially started? How did Iggy go from working at restaurants in Bermuda to being in radio? Or was there a lot of time between Bermuda and radio for Iggy? If so, what was Iggy doing before getting into radio? I really want to leave this question pretty open-ended because I want Iggy to basically just tell his story. He is the GOAT, and I love listening to his stories. Anyway, thanks to all the TMA crew, past and present, of the last four years for giving me a few hours each day to forget the BS and laugh my ass off. If you could, please just use my first name. That comes from Zach. So let's let's start on how you got into radio. Like what happened in between Bermuda, which you have documented well, to getting to, what was it, 92? Was that right? 92. Is that when it started? 92. Okay, so what was going on? Was, did you go Bermuda radio?
2: And I'd forgotten what name I signed that email with. So, I mean, Zach, <laughs> Zach, Zach was, Zach, your, I, Zach I was, was I your nom de plume,
0: acting like you live on the East coast.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well actually it started with, I mean, it pretty much was all restaurants leading up to this. You know, you have odd I, I jobs as a kid, but I started the Breckenridge and Frontenac and then went to, um, went to Nantucket Cove and that probably covered seven years. Um, and then got the job in Bermuda. Came back from Bermuda and had enough money just to fuck off if I wanted to. God, I'm wanting to cuss so bad. How's it feel? Uh, Good. Good. Just fucking great. (laughs) Um, But um, I didn't really have to work. Mm -hmm. I uh, moved into a flat down uh, on Utah in the city. Um, And uh, Patrick Dean from Dick Dean uh, lived upstairs and said, this place is downstairs is open. So I moved in there. Really didn't have to work, hung out with his wife a bit. He's working. What does that mean right there? I feel like that's an important follow <clears throat> Well, he worked late and she would always call me, you know, I'm just down, I'm just upstairs. They were downstairs and she said, Hey, I want to go for a walk to Cherokee. You want to come on down? So we just go for walks and have a cocktail. Um, but I loved it, but I was getting bored. So I took a job at the pasta house. Uh, there used to be a pasta house in the central West End. I remember that. It was like Charlie Spoon hours at a time, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. And so I went to work there just to, make a little bit of money and kill time i was just getting bored and the pasta house had a softball team and they would you know and at the time ksp had just started in 1992 where was it was it on hampton uh yeah right down there by chris's pancake and dining and bartolino's and um so they had a softball team and they were playing against other other you know restaurants and people around st louis for charity so we played a game against them and i'd known of bob ramsey Uh, never met him, but I knew who Bob Ramsey was and he was on the team and Rob Fisher was on the team and some of the guys from KSP. And afterwards we all went out and had a beer and we started talking sports and Rammer said, you know, a lot about sports. I go, I've been playing sports and following sports my whole life. And him and Rob Fisher told me that we just started this all sports station and we're looking for a producer who knows about sports. Would you want to come in and try it out? I said, I have no, no idea what a producer does well, you just got to come up with topics for us and, you know, you know, a guest here or there. Uh, I said, well, I'll try it. And, um, I got lucky because I think at the time KSP only had, or KSP was one of only like six all sports stations in the country. Is that right? Yeah. Maybe cool. not even that many, maybe three or four. And one of them obviously was WFAN. So I said, well, if I'm going to do this, I want to do it properly. Um, so I reached out to the producer at WFAN, who was uh, Rob Scalaro. If you Google Rob Scalaro now, I think he runs Madison Square Garden Network and some other stuff. Uh, he did something with his life I pretty much fucked off for 20, 30 years. <laughs> um, but I reached out to him and said, look, I just took this job as a producer. I really don't know what I'm doing. Can you give me any tips? Uh, and he faxed me over about 40 pages of phone numbers. Real? Yeah, he said, I think in his... In his um, in his corresponding uh, phone call, he said, look, I really appreciate, you know, guys that want to get into this business. And, you know, if you're gung ho about it, I'd love to help you out. And so one of the numbers was Greg Maddox, his home number, and there weren't even cell phones back then. So they were all home numbers. And it was Greg Maddox's home number in Vegas. So it was the off season. I said, I wonder if he'll come on and talk baseball with us. Called him, he asked, he goes, yeah, sure. Nobody's calling these guys to come on radio at the time. Yeah. So that was the first guest I got. And these guys were impressed with what I was doing. So they hired me. I was an intern for like six weeks and they hired me uh, as a producer. Who owned the
0: station? Was that Rich Gray?
2: uh, He was running it. I'm not sure he owned it because we just, we just went in one day and found a note on the door said, we're done. You guys are out. (laughs) That's what the, what did the the note literally said that pretty much said? Yeah. Today's your last day or this week's your last week. We're closing down stations done. So we all went on the air and just kind of told stories. Um, So how long did it
0: last before you got that note?
2: (sighs) I don't think I was there a year. Yeah, Um, it couldn't have been that long. So I think it was like middle of '93 or end of '93. We started with um, whoever owned KZK at the time. Yeah, because that was our sister station. We moved into the Clayton building and trying to. Bob Burks was our boss. If you
0: say say like the name, I'll remember. Was it Clear Channel?
2: Channel? might have been Clear Channel at the time. Yeah, Uh, because we were in the same building. And Uh, Clear Channel is now iHeartMedia. But yeah. KZK is owned by Enercom, which is now called Odyssey, but yeah. it's the same company. Uh, I think it was Clear Channel. Yeah, because Bob was was working for that company. He was running KZK. He had left KSH and was running right. uh, KZK. And I remember because I didn't have an office. I had like a, a couch and a coffee table and a phone. <laughs> uh, and that's where I was producing from every morning. And the KZK studio was right there. I mean, I could watch Ed Goodman and... Sonia Shin, not Sonia. Sonia um, Shin. Sonia Shin. Uh, Sue Jin. Sue Jin was his producer and Board Up. Uh, and I think he was doing with Mary Phelan at the time, Ed uh, Goodman. So I went over there with everybody else. And so I was there uh, producing John Sloan show, uh, which was so hard. Sloan needed, he had a three-hour show. I needed a guest every segment. I was getting nine guests a day for John Sloan. Hmm. Um, so that's how it started and I've been doing it ever since.
0: So when did you, so we went, so you're
2: at KZK on market. That's what you're talking about, right? No, this was, uh, at the time it was in Clayton, right down the street from the Ritz Carlton. Okay. When I interned at KFNS, KZK, cause
0: I remember seeing Ed Goodman there was on market. They'd moved to market. Okay. Got it. And then Greg Marisek's group, Greg just passed away here recently, bought it. I believe Clear Channel, but I could be off
2: on that and moved it to Webster Groves. And you were a part of that. I was part of Webster at the time before they moved to market. uh, I had a chance to leave and go do Sports Illustrated Golf Plus. Steve Bunyard had started that and Mike Kelly was going to host it. Mike Kelly voiced the Tiger? Yeah. He was the host of Sports Illustrated Golf Plus. And Steve Bunyard came to me because he was friends with Bob Birch. And Birch came to me and said, uh, I think he said something effective. the effect of, I don't know how long this is going to be around. They want to sell it or something like that. Um, Steve Bunyan wants to start this golf thing. I think he'd be perfect for it. So before I did that, I called, I knew Greg Marisak was taking over. And I called Greg. I said, if I take this Sports Illustrated Golf Plus show, will you hire me when you take over? And he said, of course I will. So I went and did the Sports Plus thing, and then I went to K. I went back to KFNS when Greg took over in Webster. I was never at the Market Studio. I left before then. Okay. Uh, so the the Sports Illustrated thing lasted about a year, um, and it wasn't making any money. Uh, most of my money was in trade deals. I was getting golf clubs. Um, so I went to work for Greg, and then <clears throat> was now there. who you
0: producing for in nineteen? When, when did you? What year did you get there? Do you recall? Ballpark ninety eight. Ninety eight. Okay. And they had just moved
2: into Webster. And yeah, NBA. I remember I, I went there right after the Tiger Woods thing came into St. Louis for his clinic. Because, you know, I'm the one that got that done. Of course. Well uh, documented. And I was at the press conference waiting for them to acknowledge me. <clears throat> You're waiting for Tiger and Earl to acknowledge you. No, I was waiting for um, the head of the sports commission. Frank Favorito? Yeah, Frank Favorito. Frank and he thanked almost everybody except for me. And you take that personally? Well, I do, because without <laughs> me, it's not here. Um, but anyway, I remember being at that press conference with some of the KFNS guys, but I wasn't working for them yet. And I said, I look forward to seeing you guys soon. Um, so I went to work in 98 and I guess stayed until 2001 till Claves fired me. Claves fired you. Why did he fire you? Well, he'll give you his reason for firing me. He fired me because I got Bobby Orr on the air.
0: That doesn't and, seem like a, re- that doesn't seem like a fireable offense.
2: Well, it's, you know, and Claves and I kid about this, but, um, I was producing Frank's show, and I think maybe another show, and I was getting all these big time guests on. And his producer was giving him nothing, and uh, so I was making his producer look kind of foolish. So easier just get rid of Iggy, and all of our shows can suck—something um, that effect. That's my that's my thinking. Um, what is his reason? What was the reason you were told? Well, I was getting stale. He thought I'd be better off in another market. <laughs> and to this day, I'm gonna have to
0: text Claves now. And to this, this day, only in fairness to get. Oh yeah. It,
2: to get his reason, yeah, to the, well, he won't say that he fired me because I was better than his producer. He won't say that, but that's, that's my reasoning. I mean, why else would you suspend me for getting Bobby Orr on the air? He said, we've been trying to get him on for a year. And my response was, what's the statute of limitations on getting a guest. It took me one week. Um, not even a week. I think I said, it took me one phone call. Um, I can't help it. Your producer can't get the job done. I'm not going to not get a guest on because you got, your guys been working on him for a year. Um, so he suspended me, and I just walked into Greg's office and said, uh, Mike, just suspend me for getting Bobby Orr on the air. I'll be at the pool if you need me. Um, so anyway, <laughs> um, so I went to Springfield after that. And, um, and that's where you worked with Ned Reynolds and got sideways. no, I also went to ESPN for an interview. They wanted to hire me, but I didn't want to move to Bristol. So I took the Springfield job.
0: Now, on the surface, I'm sure people hear that and say, well, that has to be bullshit because why would you go to Springfield, Missouri, which isn't even like a top 50 market, and not work at ESPN? So what? how do you explain that to those who would say, well, that can't
2: be real? I didn't want to go to ESPN. I went there. <clears throat> basically, I went there because I wanted to see the campus. I wanted to see their interview process. I wanted the free trip. And I wanted the swag bag. Would you fly into? Hartford? Uh, Hartford and a limousine pick me up. Also hard university. Yeah. They send limousines out to pick up their guests. So I had a limousine pick me up and take me there. It was an all day thing. I think I interviewed with five different people. My goodness. Um, Who'd you
0: been producing for? Uh,
2: they wanted me to be senior producer of weekend overnights, which at the time was, I think of a new show that they wanted to start. It was just like a recap of the whole week. And they wanted me to be a senior producer of it and the pay, <clears throat> I want to say 48,000, which isn't a lot. Well, especially when you put it in Connecticut dollars. Yeah. Um, But it was more than I was making here. But uh, to be honest with you, I couldn't come home. I mean, it's not like I could just drive home on the weekends. I mean, even if I got like a week vacation a year, I get to see my family once a year and I have to fly home to do it. Um, So I didn't want to do that. um, I mean, me and my family are very close. Springfield, I can drive home on weekends if I want. I'm two and a half hours away. So that was the main thing, but I really didn't want to live in Bristol. I really didn't. Yeah. Um, and I was never really big on how much money I made as long as I had fun doing it. And I'm not sure I would enjoy myself in Bristol. Yeah. So I really had no intention of taking the job, but then they offered it to me. Um, and they offered me the job when I'd just gotten back from interviewing in Springfield. And that was Greg Marisak who hooked me up with that. Uh, Ken Myers, who on Myers Communication, uh, was turning one of his stations, his FM station, into an all-sports station. And he called Greg and said, you know, I'm starting this all sports station. Any tips for me on what to do? And he said, hire Kenny Strode as your producer. That's the first thing you should do. So I went up there for an interview and they offered, they gave me what I asked, but then he reneged on it for a couple of years and cost me about 10000 um, What do you mean? They paid you less than you had agreed upon? Yeah. What the hell? Ha- and you put up with that for two years? Well, the first year I argued and he said, I'll take care of it. And the second year he didn't. And then I really argued and then they just decided to take my salary away altogether. I gather you didn't have a contract. No, okay. he, I asked for one. He said, I'll get you one. I never got it. Uh, I, I, trust everybody. I mean, you guys been doing, the guy was like a hundred then. Um, so I trusted him. But the thing was, is that I told him, I said, look, here's what I made it. <clears throat> here's what ESPN offered me. I know you can't pay me that. Uh, but you have to come close because I could go to ESPN and make this, um, So he said, here's what I'll do. I can pay you what you were making at KFNS. And if you don't make, and I'll pay you the rest in overrides, meaning all the commercials we had on jock, I would get a percentage of. And we were sold out, um, thanks to me. And not because of Ned, because of me. And um, so I was supposed to be getting 10% of that. And he said, and at the end of the year, if with your salary and your overrides, if it doesn't come to what you made uh, at KFNS, I'll write you a bonus check. Well, it ended up being like 5000 short at the end of the year. And I went to him about, then he goes, I don't remember saying that. I go, well, you did say that. You said, if it doesn't come to that, you'll pay me the difference in a bonus check. Cause he said, if I pay you that, you'll be the highest paid employee here. I said, well, you're not paying your employees very much then. <laughs> so then I said, okay. He said, I'll, I'll we'll talk about it. And I just kind of went on and did And the second year, the same thing. So anyway, um, so I went there other than before going to ESPN, I took that job. And then I actually remember getting Claves on one day for as a guest. He goes, he so says, that's the best thing I did for you. Look, at you're flourishing down there. I told you, I told you, you needed a change of, I said, well, you didn't have to fire me to do that. Uh, but Claves and I are great friends. We have all kinds of stories, but that, that's my reasoning why I got fired, and he'll give you another one. But anyway, so it was Springfield and then back to St. Louis. And where'd you go to St. Louis then? Uh, Simmons. Well, actually, I came back and went to work with, and I don't even know who owned it at the time. It was, I was doing a show with uh, Harry Schrader, uh, Frank Ladd was the producer, and Brian Stull. And I was just doing an on-air show with those guys. And we went to Hedo to do a show. Perfect. <laughs> in April. That's back when Hedo would let us come down and do shows just for room and board. Um, and when we got back, we had heard that Simmons had bought 1380. And um, I said, well, do we all have jobs? And uh, Dave Green was the first person they hired. And Dave Green said the first person you need to talk to is Iggy. And I sat down with the guy, I forgot his name. Really cool guy. Um, the guy who kind of ran it. Not the heavy set guy, the other guy. I don't know. I wasn't there. So oh, you know. weren't part of Simmons at any point?
0: No, I was eventually, but not okay. when Dave was running
2: it. Yeah, you were at Simmons the first time I went to work for you guys, I think. That's right. About the two thousand seven, We got yeah. there in September of 2007. Yeah. So I went to work for Simmons uh, for a couple of years. We only had two shows. We had the morning show with Brian McKenna which I think ended up turning into be me and Dave Green. And then the afternoon show with uh, Howard Balzer and Malcolm Briggs, everything else was ESPN radio. Um, so did that for two years. And then I think they kind of went under, um, still owned it a little bit about the sex shop when I came to work for you guys and uh, then stay with you guys. And then kind of, I guess went back to five ninety when big league took over. I'm trying to figure out. So I'm trying to figure out
0: like the, so you were definitely a part of the show for the first time when we got there in September of 07. Correct? Yeah, I mean The board operator wasn't Were you the board operator or you, when you when we first got there the board operator's a gentleman I don't remember his
2: name. Um, I think it was probably one of their board ops. Or it was. And, and then Producer then I came Joe remember. was back there. And you were back there with Producer Joe? Or I think I was I was Joe's assistant, but I was also the board up. Okay. Got it. But I also had a board up the next show, which I believe was Martin's show. Yeah. Um, so Station
0: a, had a great lineup.
2: Yeah, they did. I mean, it's Bernie it. was doing, I think, middays or maybe afternoons. You had Kusa, or you had uh, Martin and Maurice, I think, were doing the show. And
0: Randy Carricker and Bernie were doing yeah. Afternoon Drive for a, a time period. And then they let Randy go, and then Randy became kind of the centerpiece of 101 ESPN yeah. in 2009, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know when they let Randy go. Probably two thousand eight or two thousand nine, if I'm not mistaken, in that range. And then I don't know if it was Hubbard that started one oh one or if it was a different company that owned one oh one at the time, but that's how that started. So then we left. I remember John Helmkamp, who was the general manager. You remember
2: Helmkamp? Yeah. Great guy. I I mean just
0: like the A plus human being. And and when one of the best we've ever worked for, at least for me. I don't want to speak for you. Yeah, I I enjoyed him. And his assistant I think
2: Matt Strilo was his assistant. Yeah.
0: Um and we talked about a month ago, actually
2: Camp and I did. So
0: I remember Helmkamp coming in and going, we can't afford to pay you guys, but we don't want you to leave. So here is your choice. You can, and at the time, KFNS was offering me money, more money than I was making, like 30% too, to leave and do afternoons. But then I wouldn't have been able to work with Doug and the cat because of TV jobs, their TV jobs. And and then they gave me the option of the people I'd be working with in afternoons at KFNS. And I'm like, oh my God. <clears throat> Uh, that, that isn't really something that's all that, you know, enticing. And I love this group we have in the morning and I don't want to mess with that, but they weren't going to be able to pay us any of us, not just one person, the whole group. And so Helmcamp said, you can stay and then you can sell all the advertising and you get to keep the money, but you're going to have to pay yourself, Doug, the cat, producer, Joe, you, and I guess that would have been it there. But in addition to my sales staff, obviously commission and the rent for the offices at Inside STL. And that's when I had the conversation with my dad, which I've told on this podcast before. And I said, what would you do? I said, this is paying me this. And at that time, that was a lot of money for me in 2010-ish for doing afternoons in S. But I said, here, we're taking a chance. I said, what would you do? And he goes, Timmy, they're both shitholes. If I'm going to be in a shithole, I'd rather control my own destiny. So I'd stay at 1380. And I go, all right. And had he tell me to go to KFNS the morning after ends right then, and that was the end of 2009, if I'm not mistaken. And we made that model work, which is a credit to the Inside STL sales staff in a major way. That's my dad. That's Melissa Marr. I don't know who else was selling um, at the time. And it worked so well that six months later, KFNS then gave us the same deal to go to KFNS in june-ish of 2010 were you a part
2: of that when we went to kfns i think that's the second time obviously the first time was above the sex shop right the second time was then and then that's when the man and the woman came around
0: man and the woman didn't come around until 2013
2: so, so i was with you fig- at
0: some point though uh, sure in that period i
2: know and i'm trying to figure out that's what i'm trying to that's the time i'm uh, i'm guessing that's when simmons folded they did. Completely. Helm Camp, our last show. I remember our last show above the sex
0: shop. And we really liked it there. I mean, that was that was as smooth of a time, from my recollection, as smooth of a time period as I can recall in, in the 17-year history of the show. Um, Simmons was a professional company. Um, in a major way, Helm Camp was a professional general manager. the The issue for that station was they just never had a sales staff. And you can have a great lineup, but if you don't have a sales staff, you're not going to have a successful yeah. station. That's just the bottom line. I know the audience doesn't really usually care about a sales staff, but I'm telling you that's the most important thing. It just, it just is. If you have a good sales staff, the rest will take care of itself. If you don't have a good sales staff and you have a great lineup, eventually you're not going to be able to pay the, the lineup. And that was the issue there. So the day we were leaving, Home Campa he came in, he gave us all a hug, and he goes, that's it for me too. He goes, if you guys are leaving, I'm leaving. I've turned in my resignation. And he left and he went to work, I think, at one oh one. Either one oh one, well he, he worked at both one oh one and clear channel, which is now now iHeart. Um, and now he's out of it and he's like a pastor. Um, so the fact that Helmcamp and I are as close as we are have the relationship not to say that we talk every day, but he's just he's just a great human being, even though we obviously have different world views. Um, Well maybe you're gonna have to help me with
2: this then because so, so I'm
0: trying to fit. but you definitely were there when the man and woman thing happened in 2013, were you there with producer Joe and the non-gay? Were you working with them as well? And if so, that means we had a seven person staff on no, TMA,
2: but I think I was there. I just wasn't part of, you your weren't part show. of our show.
0: Okay. Yeah. So was, who,
2: who'd you been producing for then? I was producing the afternoon show. Got it. Okay. You want All right. To say or yeah, well, of course, you Slayton show. Okay. Um, but this is where I'm kind of confused. Cause I know I was part of your show when it left for the man and the woman because you and I had a conversation about I want to stay with you guys, what what should I do? And then I made the wrong decision, of course. Um, well, I mean, let's let's talk let's talk about that cuz I don't necessarily see it as I I get it. You know,
0: I never and I'd like to th- I'd like to think I I I, there, I don't even have to like hesitate when I say never cuz it's across the board. Like if you were to say right now in uh, August of 21, I'm leaving to do this, you know, the way I always feel when somebody says they're going to leave, first off, you want people to be happy, whether it's with working with me or our show or just in general in life. And so anybody would hold it against somebody to go do something else that they want to do. That's just, that's an odd trait to me, but I know that it goes on, but I would, and here's my reasoning for it. It's not because I'm some hero. You just don't want people working who would rather be somewhere else or, or unhappy because it's going to create a bad vibe. And especially when our show is so much about people getting along and chemistry and bullshitting. If the chemistry isn't right because somebody's not happy, it's going to fuck things up. And so we've been really careful about that. And really in the 17 years of the show, I can only think of like a handful of months where we were kind of like, uh, we got a situation here and this was seven, eight years ago where we, where it just wasn't, it wasn't working and we we're going to have to make a change. But overall everybody has gotten along and I think that's why the thing works. So what happened with you as I recall it, and, and let's make sure that I'm... So if you dispute any of this, please say so. Inside STL was paying you. I don't know what happened. I would guess something happened with the afternoon show. Just, I would be guessing. Yeah, you'd, you'd be on the right boat there, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and so we brought you on, but because I was paying Joe and you know everybody else on TMA, I was adding the salary to have a second producer which came out of inside STL because I paid inside STL paid me, Doug, the cat producer, Joe, probably Stedman. I would guess, but maybe not cause Stedman's the board operator. And so then Dan Marshall comes in with the man and woman thing. And I mean, immediately, truly immediately, I had one conversation with him, Kelly Chase set it up. Kelly Chase still owns a part of inside STL. And this was 2013, like March-ish of 2013. And he says, Hey, I'm going to put you in touch with Dan Marshall. I go, like, okay. And I talked with Dan and it was one of those conversations. I don't know if you've ever had them in your life, Jackson, you're sitting here too young, probably, but maybe you have already. I don't know. I'm sure some people in the audience have maybe work for people right now where you, this, this is something that resonates with you where within, I would say at the most five minutes, but probably less than that. I remember standing in my living room still where I'm living now and going, holy shit, he doesn't know what he's doing. Not like laughing about it, but going, oh God, this is, this is gonna be a disaster, and he doesn't know it's gonna be a disaster. But he's one of those people, and this isn't meant as an attack. He had, he had done very well in his industry, and so therefore, I think he's one of was one of those people where people were scared to tell him no, yeah. or to say, hey, this might not work. So in his mind, he was, it was a lock that it was going to be successful. So I remember getting off the phone with him and calling Chase and saying, Hey, I know you're friends with, with Dan. He goes, I'm not friends with me. He's just a sponsor. I, and I go, okay, because <laughs> <laughs> he, he just shows up in the booth sometimes. And I just <laughs> thought I put, I go, okay, I go, well, he's going to, he's going, this isn't going to work. This is going to be really, this is, this isn't just not going to work. And there's going to be like 10% losses. This is going to be a disaster. And again, it wasn't because of anything he was trying to keep us and put us on after bubble, the love sponge, which was his big thing. He loved bubble, the love sponge. And he wanted us to be on from nine o'clock to noon. I think, I think that was the deal. And I went out to his office and I talked with him and I, you know, it wasn't going to work. I knew that. And what was not not only was it, even if it it, the station, wasn't going to work. So, it didn't, so you, we couldn't stay there if we knew the station was going to go out of business. So you have to be on the offensive and not just wait. And so that was the thought process. So we were getting along fine. And then I believe at some point, but my contract called for, I could either be bought out for, a, a really, when I look at it, I'm stunned that I had that because I know I didn't ask for it. It was a really large amount of money. It still would be a large amount of money here eight years later. Um, And he wasn't going to do that. Uh, Or we had to stay on. We were, were obligated to stay on for, I think, 90 or 120 days. So that's what created the awkward time period between the time that he said we wanted to put Bubba in and then us starting CBS Sports 920 on August 1st of 2013. We were there. And he had a choice. We either were there or he had to cut that check to me. And he was just like, okay. But what he tried to do was tilt me while I was on the air Mm -hmm. to get me to lose my shit. So then that way he could say, oh, I had to fire him. I'm not going to pay him, nor are they not allowed to be on the air. That was the plan. And I knew it. And it wasn't really that tough, but he would send me emails during the show to like, try to set me off. And then he, Roderick was producing for us because, uh, Joe had left. Joe had left like right around when that started, but not because of that. He was leaving anyway. It just so happened to time out that way. And, um, and then Roderick, I guess, was brokering time. And Marshall said that he owed him a bunch of money. Joe disputed that total. And so then Marshall had him banned from the building, but he wouldn't fire him. So Roderick was producing remotely from home. And you were on our show at that time,
2: correct? Were you not? Uh, <clears throat> I was because I remember being in the studio laughing my ass off during that press conference. Oh, it was the greatest. Yeah. Me, you, the cat, Doug, producer, Joe. I say
0: it, it's the truth. I pissed myself during the press conference. And the thing that made the press conference so great outside of the fact that he he put it on from 7 to 10 to try to shove it up our ass... But because he put it on in that time slot, Inside STL owns it because Inside STL owns 7 to
2: 10. So we have that press conference yeah. for our use forever, uh, or at least until I sell intellectual property. <laughs> so <laughs> I remember opening the door and being the one that yelled at Smash, you need to hold the mic up to your face. <laughs> He's got it sitting in his lap talking. You should just play that thing in its entirety. Uh-oh. We have the 16th anniversary of Inside STL coming yeah, up cool. August 15th. Maybe we'll... Yeah, I was part of that show, um, but getting back to you know i'm gonna say this and and tim you can you know make me not want me to say it. there's a lot of things i can't say what tim has done over the years for his employees uh, i know he saved my job five times uh so for the flack now it's interesting you say that i can think of one well i know
0: september 11th they, 2017 well, it's easy
2: to, to remember since it's september 11th. they've tried to fire me a few times and you every time you had to talk them out of it again um, but you know there's things that tim does behind the scenes that you know, unless one day he wants to tell you, um, you're not going to know, but he is, you're the most, and I'm not saying this, I'm sitting, I've told you this many times, Tim is the most loyal guy I've ever worked for and with, uh, he'll do anything. Just like he said, I don't want to lose TMA. You know, I could have went here for more money, but I didn't want to lose TMA. And this thing has been together for 17, 18 years because of you, because you want it to stay together. So well, you're kind of saying that, sir. <clears throat> so, but you... it's
0: the, I think it's the talent of the group and the fact that everybody gets along is the reason when it gets down yeah. to it. But that's very kind of I've never of you worked with a group that everybody gets along. I mean, nobody's ever... And I can't imagine doing a show where everybody didn't get along, but I hear these stories. It's, it's rather commonplace where like two guys, like Frances and Mad Dog, for example, <laughs> didn't talk. That yeah. was documented in the 30 for 30. There have been local shows where that is the case. I had a situation... It was a show I had used to be on right before um, The Morning Grind. What was The Morning Grind started where the gentleman who was hosting it refused to talk to his producer. Um, I don't know if you know about that. It's not, I mean, it's not all that titillating. It was just really weird. And the producer was like the nicest guy in the world. Um, and it was just such a strange thing. I never understand that because if you are having issues with somebody, to me, you always sit down
2: have to talk to and, to, and and have a conversation and try to work it out. And maybe there's a misunderstanding. Well, that's just, that's just unprofessional. I mean, I've worked with, you know, I'm sure you can name, uh, that I couldn't stand, but I was a professional. I did my job. I produced the show, but then once the show's over, don't talk to me. No, I'm not having a drink with you. No, I don't want to do anything with you. No, I'll produce your show and be cordial and do a great show. But once the show's over, fuck you. I really don't like you. But you got to do when you're producing right, a show, you yeah. got to talk to the right.
0: guy. Yeah. I mean, it'd be weird if we had a spot and we really just haven't, um, where people didn't get along. I'm trying to think, I mean, you know, me, Martin and the cat, I remember there was a time, this was before they did eventually fire the cat in January of 07, where they were doing something and I think they were setting up to fire the cat. And somehow I had to, I don't want to say I had to, cause then it does sound. But but I was in a position where I said, I'm not doing that. And then they realized I knew what they were about to do. And I remember the look on the GM's face, the GM who producer Joe hates, his long list of grudges. And they're like, fuck, we can't fire him. Because I, I guess I, was, I had to sign an extension or something like that. And I think I said, I'm not signing the extension until... Martin and the cat are taken care of. And not to say that I was the the domino, but I believe they were taking care of Martin, but something was weird with the cat. It was 2006. It was 2006. And I'm just like, the only way for me to protect him is to basically shove my chips all in and say, I'm not signing until I know he's here. That's right. It was 2006 because the cat signed an offer sheet. And what Barrett was saying was... He doesn't have a contract. He signed an offer sheet, but they both had signed it. And therefore it was, it it was a legal document and it held up and the cat got his first, first bathroom. But the thing with you going from TMA to 1380, the woman, as much as we make fun of the 1380, the woman thing, and you're certainly self-deprecating about the experience. I, 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 you know, this though, I don't, I don't look at that and go the fuck, you know, I know what you were making since inside STL was paying it. And I know what Dan Marshall was offering You, and honestly, if I'm in your spot, I do the same thing. So I get it. You know, I think you, I think you know that it wasn't like, I was like, what the fuck oh, you doing? I, No, no, I get uh, it.
2: Exactly. But what
0: I, I remember saying, I was pumping gas on the gas station, like right by downtown Kirkwood. I don't know why I remember weird place, not even weird place, but where I was when I had these conversations. And I said, the issue that I would worry about is it's not going to stay in business.
2: And so while you, you said six months, if I remember, I said, <laughs> it may be on for six months. <laughs> and so the issue would be, If we, because we were looking at going somewhere else,
0: where we not where we wound up going, if you recall, yeah. Um, And I guess I could theoretically say it, but at this particular moment I won't. But I didn't know that we would, and and I know that if we would have known that, you would have gone with us. But since we didn't know, I couldn't I couldn't promise it. And and if you're going to be making, I think what the math was was about two point five times. I think that's what the math was, if my if my memory is correct. Yeah, close. Yeah. Then, then that's what you got to do. The only thing I was warning was when it goes away, and it will go away. What's going to happen if we are at this corporation, and I'm not in a position where I can do anything? I think that was my concern. Yeah, but I don't don't fault that. But but just like like Jackson here, if Jackson, who I fucking obviously love, is going to go make three times, you know, then I would do whatever I could to try to. You know, help keep him. And if I can't, then good for him. You know, I'm I'm happy for him. If somebody can go make more money, whether it be because of their own you know opportunity or just they want to go do something else, and they're not even making more money, good for them. Like Seymour, Seymour got to a point where he just had enough, you know, and wanted to do something else. And so, just you just never can fault
2: people. Well, that's, that that's individual. how you are. And you, but you, I don't
0: know why anybody else wouldn't be there. Cause I don't think that's unique to me, but my, as my understanding is apparently that is the case. And then sometimes if somebody leaves something, people, and this isn't just unique to radio, like they, they turn their back on them if oh, they yeah. leave. A sh- and I don't get
2: that. Yeah. You know, there are some people that say, Oh man, he can't believe he left, you know, fuck him. You know, let's, you know, and then you trash him when they go someplace else. But you weren't like that. You gave me, and if I remember correctly, you gave me three scenarios. Cause I told you that I had a conversation with, uh, and I always forget the lady's name who ran the, the woman, Robin Jack, Robin Jackson. And she called me into an office while I was still with TMA and said, you You know, we're doing changing the 13, the woman, five, nine, the man. She goes, we really want to hire you as the executive producer of the woman. Um, and we talked a little bit and I said, well, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. And, um, she goes, well, what are you going to do when that goes away? And we take over. I said, I haven't talked to Tim yet. Um, so it's, Marshall came in and we talked and he showed me what I could make. And I said, all right, well, the money's fine. Um, So that's when I came to you and said, I had a chance. I talked to them. They want me to come over and be the executive producer. And I think the only reason I took it was, I think you told me we're going to have three options on the table. Two of them, which are probably 75 to 80 to 90% certain. That's what we're going to do. You are part of it. There's one option that's probably about, there's like a 5% chance we go there. But you wouldn't be part of that. Yep. Because that would be a corporate situation. Yep. And I wouldn't, and I don't think they would have hired two producers and me, Doug, and the cat. But you did say there's like a 5% chance that happens. Yeah. The other two are almost 90%. We're going to yeah. take one of them.
0: Or it would have only been one producer. But I, if, my, if memory serves, the, the, we wouldn't have, I don't know, it was something like that. But I, rem, I know exactly which stations they yeah. were. I mean, obviously, one of them was 920 because that's where we wound up. Yeah. But. I think at that time when you went to the woman, I didn't even think 920 was necessarily the favorite. I, there was another station that people wouldn't even know the station, not because it's exciting, but just because it's historically never really developed in anything. Joy FM. It was not Joy FM. It was not <laughs> FM. <laughs> Us and FM have, at this moment, anyway. No, so I took it never heard the, occurred. I took the uh, Yeah, but uh, I mean, it, but it makes sense. And it wound up being a disaster, but I don't think anybody. Who was in radio anyway, because I'm sure there's some people who went there and are like, this is going to be great, or at least wanted to con themselves into thinking it was going to be great because all of a sudden he was paying people a ridiculous amount of money, most of whom had no track record of generating advertising revenue in radio. But again, that was the core issue of why it was destined to fail, you know, was that. So that doesn't
2: work out. And then you come over to 920, correct? But you weren't on TMA. No, I started uh, a show with Stully. Uh, He was doing his, I guess, baseball show. And then I started doing the show with Godier and Mulholland. And then when you were going to take over running 590, when Randy bought it, is when I was filling in. I remember I was filling in for the Sea Monster for one week. And I was doing his job and he was on vacation and you asked me, we produced the show for a week. And I think I remember getting some really good guests. I started sitting in a little bit, not that I don't talk as much as I do now, um, but I was telling some stories here and there, throw a Hito story. I think we did an audio postcard, and people seemed to enjoy it. And I remember you were doing a TMA Live the night that Ryan Kelly uh, said he was going to fight Timber Fake. I remember that really? remote. I remember that remote. And I think it's right before. That was Hot Shots O'Fallon. And I think it's right before you were taking over 590. Okay. And I was sitting there, and you were announcing that you were going to, that 590 was bought by Randy. You were going to be running it. And I'm happy to announce that Iggy is a part of the morning after. And everybody started cheering, and I I felt so great. And I remember that night, and that's when I went for the third time. How about that? I don't remember that part. Don't you? I I remember that.
0: I remember announcing on the last day... This is great. I don't know if I've ever talked about this before. I think both the cat and Doug were off on our last day at five ninety with the Marshall thing. And I mean, we had timed this out because we knew we had to, until to to make the announcement on the very last day, because I knew what he would do. Yeah. <laughs> you do too, For the audience not putting two and two together, he would find a way to chase us off, which means then we wouldn't get the advertising revenue for our time there, which then means I wouldn't be able to pay, or I just have to go into my own pockets to pay, you know, everybody on TMA and inside STL. And so we waited until, and I timed it out, got the information of the post-dispatch to Dan Caesar, announced the whole thing. And I guess he had no idea it was coming. And so I'm on the radio and, you know, it's in the newspaper. It's already there whether he wants me to or not. And he's texting me going <laughs> fucking crazy. And we're doing a remote from Ryan Kelly's office. It's like late June, 2016. Dan Marshall's texting me. Angry is all hell that this is happening. Because we're going, uh, Frank Cusimano's going with us. Um, you know, it It was, I mean, it, and he, I think he knows he's got a problem now. Uh, I mean, we knew he had a problem before, but now he knows he's got a problem, and he's texting me to tell me to stop talking about it. And I, you know, send this to my attorney, and my attorney goes, "I think it'd be hilarious. He, who, gives, who gives a shit if he kicks you off now? You know, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter." And he goes, "I think it'd be funny if he, because he's threatening to turn off the signal." you know. Oh,
1: that'd be amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what was going yeah. on. And, Ren, and Rennie Knott was filling in, and I think Charlie, I think it was me, Rennie, and Charlie, I think, Buck Soap will pull up the audio, the last show we did at 590 in 2016. And I wasn't doing it to, like, spike the football. I was just doing it to let people, and I remember Rennie being so complimentary of the whole thing and the, the, that we were able to, you know, withstand the situation. But that situation in twenty. Oh, that would have been 2013, excuse me, 2013, 2013, uh, not 2016, 2013. That was easy because it was such an obvious clown show that I didn't need to say anything to the audience. And so what I have found with things over the years that have bothered me is when I can't say things or you feel like you can't say things because then if we do, it will lead to... Not necessarily us, um, but people getting fired or penalized, hostage situations for lack of a better term, is the best way I would yeah, the best without, way it, I can, without a doubt. Yeah. The best way I can describe it. And so in March, April, May, June of 2013, as bad as that may have seemed to the audience for us, we were laughing our asses off because we knew we were gonna be fine, number one, but we knew this was a disaster and it was hilarious. It was so it was great because they didn't get how big of a disaster it was and we knew what was happening and it was it wasn't great human beings involved as far as the way they treated people and so we knew they were going to get theirs and i the was in the middle of
2: it. It. i was in the middle of it
0: Yeah, and the audience in the audience was aware of it and so i didn't need to explain anything and the audience was on the right page it's tough real tough when the audience thinks things that aren't true but i can't correct the record um because if i do correct the record then people will be penalized with their jobs or at least you feel like if you say something like there's a gun against people's heads and if i say something it's like oh well you know this person you know has to has to go now so that that's what made that easy considering and we were there at 920 for 3 years and in bert kaufman who still owns that station does he yeah he still does mm-hmm. um and has tried to get me to, to buy it, you know, multiple times. Um, and is a really good man, good radio operator for, for, lack of a better term. Um, um, he, he, I mean, I don't, I just was surprised. He gave me a clause in the contract that allowed me to give him 30 days notice. I mean, there's no, no I mean, I'm incredibly grateful, but I got it. I guess maybe I was paying him so much for the airtime, Inside STL was, not me personally, but I am the majority of Inside STL. And so we were in a spot in February of 16 where, once again, had a bunch of options. And uh, Randy Markel who still owns KFNS uh, as we speak here on August 3rd, 2021, um, called me and I had no idea who he was. And I said, yeah, I appreciate it. I said, you know, we got this, and we got this. I said, I don't think, I mean, for real, it was, I, I I would have put KF and S the least likely, more likely we would stay at 920. And he said, but I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. And I go, okay, you know, we'll see. And then then he did. And we got the deal done. Um, I'm sitting at a table and, and I know we're not going to start here until like August or September of 2016. It's like Memorial Day weekend. I'm just like with my wife, we don't have, our son yet. So we're just in Las Vegas for two weeks. Just, I mean, an absolute fucking off festival. Cause I've got the deal done. I know everybody's taken care of. I'm thinking, everything's fine. The day before my attorney called me, I could I'm outside the wind poker room on a break in a poker tournament. I'm still in poker mode. And he calls me, he goes, Hey, um, just want to let you know, cause I kind of know your personality and you might not like this, Randy is something that he wanted to be a gift to you. Has named the cur- the company McKernan Radio. Something I think that's what it was McKernan Enter- Entertainment and McKernan Radio. And I go, oh God,
2: yeah, let's not. Uh...
0: And I, and I said, I don't know what to do, but I don't want that. And I, but I, but I know he's doing it to be nice. It's just not my, per- it's just not this is not me. And I said, I don't. I really don't want that. How do I handle this? And he goes, well, we'll set up a DBA doing business as, and you know, there's plenty of companies where the LLC's name is one thing, but the public, you know, believes the company's name is whatever as the DBA. And so just, you know, like right now people would think that KFNS is 590, the fan KFNS, it's Markel Entertainment, I believe is the name of the company. And I'm like, okay. So I, guess I just didn't want that out there. Cause I'm just kind of fucking weird deal being introverted yet in an extroverted business. That's not my personality. And at that moment, that was my biggest concern. Less than 24 hours later, I'm playing in a poker tournament, the Venetian, and I start getting texts and my personal services contract. I don't want to say it was leaked. It just wasn't redacted. And so when the ownership change went through, because Randy gave me, I didn't buy, he gave me I believe it was 25% of the company to come over here. Um, That has to go through the FCC. And if it goes through the FCC, it's a public document. So in that transaction in which I received 25% ownership in the station, my personal services contract was included, which was supposed to be redacted. And the attorney didn't redact it, not my attorney, the FCC attorney. And so my contract is out in the public eye. And so now I'm getting a bunch of texts about my personal services contract. So 24 hours later, I was very concerned about the company being named McKernan industries and I whatever it was called, McKernan enterprises or whatever. And then 24 hours later, I couldn't have thought anything less about that because now we have a bunch of things out there. And then for whatever reason, it was said that I bought 25% of the company. And the first thing that gets reported is the thing that people, you, it's tough to like, put the genie back in the bottle for, the, for a lack of a better... Like, for for the rest of his life, people think of Andrew Kane through hockey games, even though he's since come out and denied it. The first story was that he threw hockey games and his wife said that. And in this situation, the first story was that I did... I don't know. I had some things that just weren't true, and I don't know how they got in there, but they weren't true. And you can't unwind the clock. Duke Lacrosse. Duke Lacrosse would be another wonderful example where that... I think that was a lesson for some people, although at this point it's 15 years, but that would be one... But in that process now, and it's still, I mean, it's, I remember talking to Randy that night. And he goes, "But I would think it's pretty cool that people knows how much money you're making. I go, Randy, that is not me. Man. <laughs> that is the furthest thing from it. And I'm telling you, that was the beginning of the fissure between me and a portion of the audience. I went from regular guy to, oh, fuck him, you know. Uh, and then probably some other people who do this for a living in St. Louis became angry that I, you know. But with with that all said, in between that time period... Of June of 16, and when we started, which I think was around September 1st, 2016, maybe it was after Labor Day weekend, whatever it was, I remember Randy saying, "I want to find, I want to make sure." His big thing was he wanted the people, um, and there weren't a lot of people working at that KFNS before we got there, right? I mean, I don't know, would it would it be fair to say there were even ten? You know,
2: if you were that. doing you were doing a show. I was doing a show. Uh from maybe 9 to 11. Yeah, I thought it was like a midday again. show because I would be on it every once in a while. Yeah, I behind the like... glass. I was yeah. doing it with Ross. Iggy's Treehouse, wasn't it? Or was yeah. that a different that show? Was, that was that was when the Man became 590 Extreme. Oh, that's right. They tried something else and, and Iggy's didn't, Treehouse didn't quit didn't quite perfectly. <laughs> um, but but he wanted, he said, he goes, could you just find a spot for Iggy? I go,
0: absolutely. And I'm thinking immediately, I'm like, Iggy on TMA? It's like a
2: no-brainer to me, you know? Um, and we had talked about it. Yeah, And we would even talk salary and what I could do. But I think you announced it at the TMA live. Even though I knew you said, and I can announce right now, Iggy is a part of TMA. Maybe it's,
0: it wasn't finalized yeah. yet. And then we had finalized it there yeah. because Ryan did announce the thing. Because I remember Hannah Yates, who is now on KSDK and she would like be our post-show reporter. And I remember her going to Billy G's to interview Ryan Kelly and Timberfake about the fight. And that announcement where Ryan just walked up to the dais and said, I want to fight Timberfake had to have happened. Therefore in September, October of 2016, the fight happened in February, February of 2017. Yeah. So it all makes sense timeline wise. So then that, I guess that night of the announcement of the fight, we announced that you were going to become a full-time member. Yeah, of TNF. Even though I think I knew. Right. But um, I think for the sake of, tr- we always try to give some kind of little, yeah. you know, so, but to me, for, for the purpose of Zach's question, one of, I don't know, I mean, it's, I've never really thought about significant moments in the show's history. We talk about significant moments, but I've never ranked them. But that is without question, one of the most significant positive moments in this show's history is that happening for real. Now you will now be humble and, and not say it. So Jackson and I will handle it <laughs> because I don't yeah, want I you appreciate to step Yeah, I don't agree with that. But, but it's a hundred percent it. true. Yeah. It's an absolutely hundred percent true state it's not even like a sweat it's 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 you know um it's the best because you have the key to the show i think if somebody were to isolate what the key to the show is the key to the show is certainly the number one key is chemistry you can't ever bring somebody in who doesn't fit the offense so there are people who we all like but who wouldn't fit on the show there would be people like when the cat and or doug would be out and we would bring them in And we all liked them, but then the show would change so drastically because they were there that it, I don't want to say it ruined the show, it just altered the show. So you want somebody to come in and be able to play in the offense without having to change the offense because of the person. But our offense got better and is better because you are a part of it. And that was such a huge you know, coincidence really, because the show was certainly successful when you were at nine twenty when you weren't a part of it, but it just became even more successful. And the second thing that I was going to list is in addition to the chemistry, and obviously we all get along, but is your willingness and unapologetic willingness to tell your stories and even when people and then another thing, the third thing I would say is not caring and not letting it ruining your ruin your day when you read the text or the email, you have you have to be willing to give shit, but more importantly, you have to be willing to take
2: shit on the program. Oh, that's, that's, especially this show. Well, I don't know. I don't think, I don't think like, Frank Brennan. is getting lit <laughs> up right now. In the I don't think Charlie session. Brennan's going, let's read this text. <laughs> Brennan, you're a leather skinned boot face. Cuck. Um, but yeah, I know it's all in play. I know, I know it's playful. I know they're just kidding. But it,
0: isn't it interesting, though? We all can tell when it isn't playful. Oh, yeah. Isn't it weird? And I don't know how to describe it to the audience. Like when we can tell, it's like, oh, fuck, this guy is different than like the 30 that came before it where they're ripping us but fucking around. Yeah. And I don't know what it is, but you can tell.
1: Yeah, you can tell. And yeah, it's
0: interesting for me. Here, here's my tell on it. We see the text history and I can go in there and see the text history. And oftentimes, their texts where people usually text in after 10 a.m. That is that is that is one of the tells. Yeah, that it's an it's an like I had one today and I'm like, the fuck
2: was that? And then I like, okay, where that came from? I don't know. But he's usually texting it in you know different time of the day. Yeah, it's usually the fan page for me. I mean the text inbox. I mean, you know, I know most of them. There's some I still don't know who they are, but I mean a lot of these guys that call me Bootface and liar. I mean I have beers with them. <laughs> you know I play yeah. golf with them. I mean I know who they are, uh, so I don't care. I know they're just having fun. But it's usually on the fan page and I'll go back and look at his history and I'll. I'll just type in search and his name, and there'll be some posts from the fan page, and it's always, Iggy sucks, fuck Iggy, Iggy, you're a dick, But Okay, well, he's got an agenda here. Mm-hmm. For the most part, it's all just kidding. And, and it, even the ones that are being serious, unless they put my family into it, then I don't really give a shit what right. they do.
0: It's just, it's just part of the deal. Jackson, how have you, ad- how have you adapted to this? Because this is something that I imagine you weren't dealing with pre-December 2020.
1: Gangster Pete gave me the best piece of advice. What was it? He said, don't ever care about opinions of people who literally don't know who you are. Like they know who you are, but they don't know you. That's true. Yeah. So, so don't care about their opinions because they don't know you. All right. So that's the way I think about it. Because I see sometimes people who have like a long text history saying that, like, I'm like, they actually won't listen anymore because of me.
0: I've never seen that. Yeah. Now, I mean, I realize we get a lot of them, so I don't see all the text, but I really haven't seen that. He's like, yeah, he's
1: like, I'm turning it off because it was he, mostly when. Was I, it NBA stuff?
0: No, it was mostly when I was running
1: points. Uh, when you were, Did you out. have some
0: hot take while I was running point. No, no, no. If anything, I would imagine you were probably just getting the ball out of your hands as quickly as possible. <laughs> You're spot on there.
1: Um, but or a guy or two who like always has some slick comment about me. um, but it doesn't really, no, it doesn't bother me because what I
0: would tell you on that from 20 years of doing this is it's actually a positive if you get in people's kitchens. Yeah, exactly. As weird as that is, it's counterintuitive. If it gets to a point now, if you get to a point where you're like, Oh shit, this person's showing up at my house or, yeah, you know, hundred percent calling charities as is the case with oh, God. The, the one particular gentleman, uh. you know, that's, that's a different deal, but yeah, it's a, it's a weird way that it cuts that way because we've had, you know, these conversations with people over the last <laughs> few months and, uh, and they're like, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of the cost of mm-hmm. having a show that has a following. Mm-hmm. It's just the way that it is. It's not unique to TMA. Yeah, if you have a show that has a following, you're certainly going to have people who are fans. But then you're also going to have people who are fans, but who are fans that kind of love it in a hateful way, which is so. It's
1: like what we talked about with the Howard Stern movie. It's like, and... have you watched that yet? Yeah, you yeah. did
0: watch it. Yeah, loved it. Um, Can't believe we haven't talked about it. When did you watch it here? with It had to be within the last two weeks because I, I talked about I it. I think we
1: talked about it for. A did little you bit did watch pocket? it? It yes. only came
0: out a couple weeks ago. That's,
1: <laughs> That's right. 100 right. came 100%. Out in
0: June of 21. And they said, you know,
1: <laughs> people who love, who say they love the show, listen for an hour and a half, and those who say they hate it listen for two and a half hours.
0: Yes. So it, the hate
1: listen is super
0: real. It's a, yeah, and I've never understood that. Uh-huh. Like I don't listen. I've never listened to a talk show or a song. But I mean, a song is a different thing where I don't like the person, but I know what goes on. I just don't get it. Um, I guess Rush Limbaugh had that. Yeah. You know, if that would be an obvious one.
1: Alex Jones, Joe Rogan is of, of recent. Pe- uh, yeah. People who are polarizing, they want to like hear, oh, listen to what this jacket said. Yeah, has and set. then I
0: can pitch Harry, but I bet Clay Travis has it. Oh, a ton. Yeah.
1: And on the other side, like a, I don't know, maybe not Bill Maher as of recently. He's yeah. kind of He's kind of,
0: getting, he's found himself with uh,
2: found strange national. bedfellows, as they say. Politics yeah. creates strange bedfellows. I just find if, If you're, if you handle it in a way where you just don't go to their level, like if there's a few people I see just always trashing me, I don't go back in and say, you know, fuck you. Who do you think you are? I'll use, I'll handle like, have you ever met me? Because, you know, if you think I'm the same person away from the station as I am on the show, uh, you'd be surprised. So if you ever want to have a beer and just talk, or you got something you need to say to me, you can send me a DM and I try to play it nice. And if they still come off like that, then I just ignore them. Yeah. well, This isn't going to work. They're they're just going to be who they are, and I had it with that guy um, that said, "I hate everybody who disagrees with me." Uh, in some posts that I thought it was TJ Mo that posted it, but the name of the group was TJ Mo <laughs> Fan Group or something, right. and I thought it was TJ Mo responding in this fan group, and I didn't I didn't trash TJ. I just said if he's if he doesn't want a female AD, he may want to check out Debbie Yao's credentials because she's been pretty pretty successful, and this guy said. You know, it's amazing the hatred you show to people that disagree with you. And I said, well, this doesn't really make any sense. I wasn't showing hatred to anybody. I was just saying, disagreeing with not hiring a female AD. Um, So I said, where can you point out where I have hatred to people I don't disagree with me? He said, uh, Biff, easy. I said, you think I hate Biff? (laughs) I said, dude, I can't, I can't argue with you now because I don't know what you're talking about. Um, Well, he sent me a long DM saying, Iggy, I apologize. I really don't know why I said any of that. you know, you probably are a nice guy. Uh, I was just in a mood that night and I said, no problem, buddy. We're all good. Yeah. So it worked in that aspect. But if I, if I try to do that, it doesn't work. Then I just ignore that person. It's pretty simple. Yeah.
0: Um, I just, I, I think, I think I would, I would, I would, I would think slash hope that it's pretty clear, you know, what your makeup is on the show. Like, like if anybody thinks you're hateful, then uh, they're just not really getting it. My
2: stories are true. I don't lie about any of my stories. But you know, if I'm calling you an idiot on the air, like, ah, do you listen to the show, you moron? I don't really think you're a moron. <laughs> right. I'm just responding to your text, yeah, so I'm not really that angry all the but time. But I think that's but.
0: why. I think that's why, if I theorize on it, because if you were to isolate the stuff that we said, like in a newspaper article, you'd go, "Oh my god, what kind of fucking people are this or, or on this show?" But for whatever reason, somehow we've gotten to a point where. It used to be, oh, I can't come on your show, and this is a long time. I mean, I'm talking about like the above the sex shop days. To now it's like, yeah, it is what it is. It's not for everybody, but it's it's not malicious. No. You know, and I think that's the key that everybody yeah. recognizes if you don't enter into the reindeer games arena, you will be safe. Yep. But the moment you come in, you now are exposed you're welcome to take shots but just realize you're going to get shots taken at you as well. It's just the deal. But it's done. Like as a roast, it's not done with true yeah. malice or mean spiritedness, and it's not because we're great human beings per se. It's just the it's just essentially the spirit of the show, which is to just give each other shit and then take shit. It's just part of it's just part of the deal. You I know? can also say
2: I don't hate anybody. I mean, that's a strong word. I don't hate anybody. There's certain people I dislike, but I don't hate anybody. I mean, the thing with Lana Rose. I mean, she could call me today and say, you know, Iggy. I mean, I, we. Maybe we got off the wrong foot in the AVNs, but the, you know, let's bury the hatchet. Love you, sweetie. Let's go. You know, I don't really dislike her that much. I just, it's fun for me to kind of take shots here and there about her pregnancy and things like that. But I don't dislike <laughs> Lana Rhodes. I mean, come on.
0: So, well, that's what we need to make happen. And who, who's the person you're trying to book for the show tomorrow and you have a bet with Doug now? Anna Lacazio.
2: <laughs> hasn't gotten back to me. I
0: missed good. that yeah, one. I missed that one. one. I, I, I noticed, fun, Oh, oh while you were handling the internet situation. Well, oh, yeah, it's a bad, I don't, She I don't did
2: know that respond to my, my DM to her, a private message to her back in 2017. I didn't ask her to come on the air. I just said I was talking about her. It took her three days to get back to me, but I don't think she has, she's posted on Facebook since 2009. So this might be tough. So she's not on there a lot. Hopefully she gets, Maybe this, she has a person. Think ding, a ding. Person? That, hey, you got a message, Anna. Uh, <laughs> I may go another route. If I don't hear back from her, I've got, I got some other routes. I have I a feeling go.
0: you're going to get this done.
2: This would be historic if the first well, time you checked Facebook in 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> she happens to come on the program. <laughs> but 2017 she did, and she hadn't been on there since 2009 yeah. as far as posting, but she got back to me in 2000 Every eight years. 17. Of course, it took her three days.
0: Do so you but, miss the fact that we don't have guests on the show, at least at this particular no, moment in show history?
2: not at all. No. And why is that? Well, I mean, if it's, if it's a good guest, if it's a guest that, uh, you know, we can all get on board with and have fun with. Um, but I think we're past the point of, you know, unless it's a big breaking story about getting somebody on to talk about a Cardinal homestand right. coming yeah, I up, can't I mean, do that. you know, that shit ain't going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, there's, there's certain guests I'd love to get on and I'll send you. Hey, you, you do. Know. And
0: I'm, I'm fine with that. And I you know you don't take it personally
2: when I no, say No, I don't. You say not interested or not really. I don't think That's that'll fine. be
0: good. But I also know, I mean, the podcast, it's like now, now we're back at a spot where we might not be able to have, we're not there yet, but we might not be able. What's the deal now? The new policy is unless you have to be vaccinated. Is that what it is to be yeah. able to come into the building? Uh-huh. I mean, I'm looking forward to being able to go back into doing interviews on the podcast. It was one of my favorite. I'm looking forward to the Pick 6 portion of the podcast. I yeah. still think it'd be wonderful if you joined the Pick 6 with mm-hmm. Rod Joe, Gangster Pete, mm-hmm. unit myself, all picking games inaccurately. Basically, just pick the opposite of Joe, and you will win, and that's how you, can get, much, your, yeah. Yeah, how you can get your
2: vengeance. And that I would think be we, hilarious.
0: We put, for real, that would be the best win. Oh, my to God. If Joe win, of, then Iggy
2: right after. we would be betting a lot of unders, unders and underdogs. In, unders and soccer. <laughs> yeah.
0: God, that would <laughs> oh, be I'm incredible.
2: thinking Tottingham under
0: one and a half. I bet Joe would do it if we said Iggy's going to be on it, honestly. He would you, do it. You think, you think Joe would still do pick six no. if Iggy's going to be on it? No. He loves doing pick six. He, he would also say if
2: Iggy's on there, I'm not anymore. I think that's probably what it is.
1: I think he would do it if we... Recorded Iggy's picks later.
2: If we that just patched yeah. in, and then yeah, Iggy then, just picked the opposite then he of what trash
1: Joe me did. without having to me <laughs> oh, him back. Oh, that would be unbelievable.
0: Love to make it happen. I still want to. I actually legitimately want to have. I, as dumb as it is, I would be interested in watching you guys play golf, like the match. I truly, I'm dead serious. We get some videographers.
2: Yeah, I think people would come out and watch.
0: I don't know if Meadowbrook wants that. If Meadowbrook <laughs> is still the facility, Meadowbrook's a tough course. Number one, super nice. Number two. And I don't know. I haven't played with Joe as much as I've played with you, Iggy. But I think you're both, a, you know, in the same range. No, oh, he's probably better than me. He plays quite a bit. I think handicap-wise, he's a few
2: yeah. lower. But, you know, I mean... But I mean, if we played a place like Meadowbrook, nobody would have an advantage. Right. You know, like yeah. if we played Gateway, the, yeah, there's course. Uh, there. that's his course. If we played Normandy, I think I'd beat him because he doesn't know the course. Uh, Meadowbrook, neither of us know the course. I think I played there once... Uh, with a member once, fifteen years ago. Great track. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll never happen. He won't play with me. I just don't get that. Even for charity. For I don't know anybody
0: who holds a grudge, a real grudge. That's not an act, and it's not just with you. It's with other people too. Yeah. He is, he is unlike anybody I've ever met with that stuff. With it, I don't think it will ever change. And it's all about you posting a Facebook message complaining about it. His... <laughs> And listen, I love the guy. It's not a case. I I truly love the guy, but I mean, I love you as well. And so from that standpoint, from the entertainment standpoint, I wish there could be some semblance of interaction like this golf match, like pick six, where you two could sit there and chirp at each other.
2: And that Um, was just for entertainment. I wasn't I wasn't. Blasting him. I mean I was upset. It cost me money. But I said, you know, this is getting a little traction, so I went on Facebook. I said, I can't believe this fucking guy cost me money. He tells him one thing, he tells me another thing. He's supposed to be the commissioner. Well you posted it on Facebook. That's, That's his issue. I wanted it. everybody to see it. <laughs> That's why I put it on Facebook. <laughs>
0: you call him this fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, there it is. Uh, Hopefully, I it, answered your question. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we left it. Uh, yeah, over the, the gentleman was. A- asked. wanted it specifically open ended. So open ended, he got. Yeah. I mean, some of these things. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's other things, but it truly is. You know, I mean, if 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 Randy's like, yeah, I'm gonna put Iggy on, you know, whatever in the afternoons, and then you're not on the show. I mean, the show isn't as good as it is right now if that doesn't happen. It's amazing how those things. It's amazing how those things happen. The well, as I've said many, many is...
2: times, uh, and I've been doing it for 30 years, this coming February, I've never had more fun doing radio than with you guys on this show. And well, I can't
0: imagine it being better than this. You know what I mean? It just, I, it, like, no matter, like inevitably you'll you know, I mean, at least you would think mathematically you'll stop before I stop math again, mathematically you would think that would happen. Doug will stop before I would imagine you stop. You know, no, I'll stop when you stop. I mean, I, I, have I, real, I mean, if I could work with everybody for another 20 years, I would do it in a heartbeat. Well, I won't be here in 20 I, years, that's, okay. that's what I'm saying. That's the issue. But I talk oh. about Jackson. I'm like, you know, Jackson, when I retire, would be my age or even younger, possibly, <laughs> which fucks me like my age right now, which fucks me up, man. Yeah. It really does. <laughs> You know, now Jackson's kind of stretching, which is a physical tell of, boy, that doesn't sound good to me. So I don't know. We got to be careful with this. That's what that's what my, no, no. but, uh, I love doing, I truly, I feel like TMA, this is kind of a brief aside. I was in a bad place. We had the cat and plow hawk stuff last year. That was a bad place thing. That was a bad place. That was a bad, bad place. Um, in June of last year. Um, And whether or not I go into everything that led to what happened there. I know you know the details on what happened there, what, you know, led to that, um, which had nothing to do with any of us for the record, but uh, that was depressing um, and sad. Uh, Then you had um, the COVID stuff, not only the fact that it was going on, but that if we talked about it on the show, I mean, I don't
2: know how much you saw of it because I know you're not like sitting there on the text inbox like I am. I left. I I would go outside and smoke when you guys talk COVID. It was just too too depressing. I don't want to hear about it. i was going outside. It was so, it wasn't just polarizing. It was so,
0: angry is even like, isn't a strong enough word, um, really Dangerous, concerning texts and emails, like I'd never seen anything else like it in the show's history, without question. And I didn't, you know, because at the time you're thinking, how is this going to get polarizing? And here we are in August of 2021, and you're going, well, here we are, and you know it's polarizing, and you know. But January 7th, which would have been the day after the the situation at the Capitol, um, was for me my easily my least favorite show in the show's history. I mean, it's not even question. And that night I went to to dinner with Anna Marie and I said, I don't know if I can keep doing this thing. I, I mean, that was, that
2: was so brutal. Was that the night that you texted us and said, we need to talk about it. How do you want to handle it?
0: No, because we talked,
2: we talked about that the morning of, we talked about it the morning of, but I mean,
0: maybe I did, maybe, but I, then, I, then it would have been January 6th while it was, you know, going on.
2: And we all agreed that we would talk about it. Yeah, I think it was that night you said, we need to talk about how do we want to handle it? What do you want to talk about? I think we agreed. Yeah, and we all agreed without question. It was yeah. unanimous. we all talked about it. But then after it, and it was so
0: the anger. Yeah, I, I, I think this, one of the strengths of the show, and it's way down the list because I always go with chemistry and self-deprecation and the audience getting that it's a, a roast, is having a gauge on what the audience is interested in, number one, but then also, number two, having a feel for the audience's mindset, which I guess contributes to number one, which would be what is the audience interesting? Like people aren't like, how come you guys aren't previewing the Cardinals and Braves, you know? No. You know, they get it at this point, which is good because that wasn't, that isn't always the way that it was. But my read on where the audience was on the morning of January 7th has never been further off. I didn't grasp the anger of the audience. And by the way, it didn't matter where you were on it. Yeah. It, the anger of the audience and... And then it, it didn't matter what, what the situation was, who said what. It was so brutal. And I happened to be out on the golf course while that was going on, because I was down in Florida on January 6th, while it was going on. And I was, I was playing with Adam Long's dad. I wasn't playing with Adam. But I was playing with Adam Long's dad and a couple other guys. It's like my first round, you know, in, in a while since it's January. And obviously, I hadn't been playing in St. Louis. And they just noticed like my mood on the back nine and they're, you know, they're talking about everything that we're reading on Twitter. That's going on. Cause this is going on as we're out there. And I'm just like, tomorrow is going to be a brutal, brutal show. I'm already like, just like so low. And then it got lower and then that show happened. And the reason I'm telling this story is because then we all agreed on January 7th after that show um to not talk politics anymore. I realize it pops up, flickers here and there, but I just think it has made the show better.
2: You know? Jackson puts the kibosh on that when we talk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jackson comes in and cuts the wire. Oh, no, he actually and it, I give him credit for that. Well this. he texted me one of the days I was in Hilton Head and he yeah. goes, Hey, if you don't mind me saying this, no, you can ahead. edit it out if you want the moment don't want it out there. No, that's fine. But hey, we got into a little, I guess caller Ellen called in Like since Tim's not here, can we talk about yeah, I think that was how it is. started. I heard yeah. that and I was like, okay, "Tim's I'm not here. Okay. We'll talk no, well, it's not, again." I don't run the fucking no, station. No, that's the thing. It's
2: just something we've agreed to as a group, the yeah. four of us, because it doesn't go anywhere. Well, it's just, it, a bunch but then of the,
0: then then Doug gets attacked, or then yeah. I get attacked for not attacking Doug. Yeah. And the thing on that, you know, as I've said, and you have, you're not in here when I'm saying because usually me and Jackson or me and Pete or me and Seymour. But the thing with Doug is the only way I could draw an analogy to it is as crazy as some of us may think the things Doug is saying about it is he thinks we're that crazy for the things we say. So I know that might sound fucking nuts, but, but that's it. But here's the thing. Doug's a great guy. He's an A plus human being. So we're all able to compartmentalize his views, which I think the three of us disagree with. And not go, God, I can't believe I'm working with this guy who thinks it's just, go. okay, that's what he thinks and whatever, Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's, and it's just, you know, Tweeted now it. I realize in 2021 and 2020 and 2019 and 2018 that it became difficult for people to, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm sure there are plenty of people who, you know, might, you know, who have voted for Joe Biden, for example, who would never, if they were single, would never go out with somebody who was like a MAGA person, you know, like, I, like, I'm not just talking about they voted for Trump, but like. Wear you know, the damn hat. We're in the hat. Yeah. Jackson being an example of my, would be my guess on yeah. Yeah. So, do that. Yeah. So, or, or vice versa, by the way, you know, it yeah. cuts, it cuts both ways, but for the purpose of the show, that's, that's Doug's view. It's like, whatever. But the thing that's always been kind of weird to me is how, man, you know, nobody on the dais is yelling at Doug about him. Like, what do you want me to do? Like yeah. berate the guy? Because he, I mean, yeah, that's what, exactly what they the, want. That I think that is yeah. what they want. But that's not me. I mean, I've had, I've had, I can't remember his name now. God, Ed Martin. You know Ed Martin, again? Yeah. Okay. I mean, Ed Martin politically is essentially the exact opposite of everything that I believe you want in a government official. So he was in here as one of my first guests, probably within the first six months of the baby, like in my opinion, using religion, Christianity, but it wouldn't matter what religion it is, but using religion. To get votes, essentially dividing people like you're either with God or you're against God. And, and if you're voting against, you know, our party or my views, then you are voting against God. Which I'm I guessing think a is,
2: very cordial interview and then people didn't want that.
0: Uh, I got attacked a little bit from some people for not yelling at him, but my style of interviewing is not the cable news. Well, you said yeah. this, though, Ed, in 2012 it's a conversation. And I feel like that puts guests at ease and then you get more out of it. And Ed and I then wound up corresponding, even though I couldn't disagree. I remember used to see his flyers at my parents' house because they were in his district or are in his district or whatever. When he, I think he did hold the office. And I go, boy, this guy, this is exactly, but it doesn't mean, you know, if Eric Greitens came in here, you know, which was one of my called shots well before it became, and hell, he's probably going to be the U S Senator from Missouri here soon enough. But you know, I spotted I, spotted I I spotted. spotted that early on, I, but I'd still conduct an interview with them. I wouldn't yeah. be like yelling. It's just not, it's not what I do. By the way, I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying what I do is right. It's just not my style. And so from my standpoint, how it ties back to you being here and talking about TMA and the history of it, the last seven months, while I still would prefer that the cat is in here with us and the plow hawk is in here with us, um, that for what we have at this particular moment in show history, I think it's as good as it has been slash can be. And I think the reason for it is is because for the last, I guess at this point, seven months, the politics think you know it's not gonna come up. And if it is, we redirect. And I don't know if I got done telling the story where you texted me when I was at Hilton Head with my family or when it was Wisdom Teeth Week, whichever one it was, and uh and said, How do you handle it when it starts going? And I said, I just try to get in a live read, read a text you know, something that ideally is a non sequitur and then kind of just, just take it off the tracks, but try to put it back on the tracks, but then try to do it gently. Because let me tell you this on the other side of it, it's not political, but when I'm talking and and you probably, but you know, I'm was in there more when the cat was in there than, than you were, you know, you're obviously talking more now than when, when the cat was a part of the show. Um, and I'm talking about whether it be lesbianism or talking about, you know, three, whatever the fuck it is that I was talking about or talk about porn stars on the other side of it for Doug and the cat with the TV jobs, not because they're like appalled by it, but I get it for their TV jobs that gets attached to them. Yeah. So they have to kind of back away. And that went on for shit, man. I mean, 13 years. Um, but if they would have on the air said to me, Hey, you got to stop talking like that. I would have been like, fuck you, you know, for real. And they never did that. And I'm sure anybody listening would go, of course they never did that. Well, that's how I view it with Doug and the politics thing, you know? And I know for some people it's like, no, that's wrong. They're not the same thing. But that's that's his view. And listen, if, if he were a, like a fraud guy, you know, there are plenty of people who like to make sure that you know that they're kneeling on Sundays while they're slithering the rest of the week. But, you know, Doug is who he is. And he's a great guy, politically we see things i mean essentially not everything opposite but we certainly see things differently but he's a great fucking guy and i think it would be incredibly disrespectful for me or you or jackson to start screaming at him or you know and on top of it also by the way ever since ever since january 6th i have i used to watch meet the press and Chris Wallace every Sunday morning. I would look forward to it. I don't know when the last time I watched it is. My YouTube doesn't even save them anymore. I haven't watched them in so long. I've just kind of withdrawn. I made the mistake and I this is what I said. I didn't say much on January 7th cuz all hell was breaking loose on our show. Um but I mistakenly thought that January 6th was the low point. And so my it wasn't intended to be an optimistic spin. I truly thought like okay, this is what I know you weren't part of the podcast, but when me and Pete were doing the podcast, I would say something awful is going to have to happen to open everybody's eyes to get people back together. And I thought that that would be January sixth. And now, seven months later, some people are debating the merits of how severe January sixth was, and and then you still have you know the vac- vaccination situation, and it's a, it's it, it hasn't reached a low, and I'm afraid of what the real low will actually be. But I was wrong. I was wrong wrong, wrong, wrong. And so I'm just, it's not that I'm necessarily disengaged so much as disenfranchised, which has led to me lacking engagement. So there are uh-huh. topics that come up that Doug gets fired up about that I have no, I, I don't want to say I have no idea, but I'm not educated on them because I have withdrawn. Yeah. I have withdrawn.
1: Context.
0: yeah so I can't, mm-hmm. but, at, but at the same time, the thing that I keep going back to is first, number one, I mean, he is just the absolute you just couldn't, what, how could you, what could you ask for more in a coworker than, yeah, than Doug's who the, Doug Vaughn he's is? He's the best, yeah. Yeah. The best. I mean, he really is. And then secondarily, I know he's an incredible father. And so I wouldn't, I would never like, it just would be so to me, so disrespectful. Yeah. Just like would be, just would have been to me, even though I think it would have been more, it would have had a higher approval rating. If I'm in the midst of one of my, you know, porn star Keisha Gray interviews, which is like a horrible interview. And she was clearly like not right when she was on a few years ago. And they're like, and if they would have like held me accountable for that, you know, because by by proxy, they're guilty because they're in there too, not guilty. So, but I mean, like that wasn't right. You know, that was obviously me. I'd have been like, that's not, I mean, you know, but they didn't do that nor would they do that. Mm -hmm. And I view it the same way. You know, it's the proverbial treat others how you'd want to be treated. So people may want us or me specifically to yell at Doug when he's on a political tangent, but that's the reasoning. It's not because I agree with it. And I guess there's this thing, well, silence is, you know, what's the word? There's a phrase. Silence is compliance. But so here's how we've handled it. We got together as a show and said, we're done talking about it. Now it doesn't mean that it's be, it's clearly hasn't been absolute. I know I'm not doing it. I even avoided like when John Rahm was had to withdraw from the memorial, because I'm like, I know what's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> even though on the service it's a golf discussion, but I know what's gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like you have to like you have to like think three minutes, five minutes in the conversation down the road to go, okay, do I want to go here? But it's not because I'm like, oh, you know, it's just like I know what's gonna happen, it's gonna lead to yeah. all hell breaking loose. But it's, to me, that's better, and it's been better for the show than, you know, going, okay, fine, fuck it, we're going to keep talking about it. Because no. right? January 7th, for me, was, without question, a low I point. I'm going to have to go back
2: and listen to that, I don't remember. You don't remember uh, the day after the Capitol insurgency? Not all of it, I'll have to go back and listen. Oh, my but God. But I will say Jack Rough. did a good job. I was a little, I was a little taken back. Because when he did it, I said, well, the guy's putting the big boy pants on over there. <laughs> what, when he when he got off the politics thing? <laughs> yeah, we, we, we'd been talking for like three minutes. And it wasn't getting banty. It's just whenever he brings up certain things, I always respond. <laughs> and Jack says, I know he goes, all right, we're going to get off this talk and we're going to talk. And I kind of jumped and I said, Wait, you want to go back to NBA talk? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, think we're, I think I was trying to get us back And, and then he
2: came and back to talk. I said, Do you have to apologize? I, said, I was just kind of taken aback that you actually did that.
0: <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, man, sitting there 23 years old with two <laughs> veterans and he, he takes the ball back and puts it on track. Uh, well, Iggy, thank you so much for coming in. The deep dive did
2: not disappoint. Um, Hopefully we got something. You guys got something out of it because I kind of forgot. Well, the I did.
0: I, I, I always kind of wondered like how you popped up on KFNS and then what happened because I knew you've been on the show and you were right. Three different eras. I think at this point you're on for as long as as long as we're going. You know, at this
2: point. Um, yeah, I got no money, so I can't really retire.
0: <laughs> well, I'm I'm saying that more as a
2: reflection of we wouldn't. I mean, I don't want to go any places. I, place I, I say it all the time. I say, I just go wherever Tim wants to go. If, I, if there's a place for me, if there's a place for me with Tim. In any show he does, I'm going with. But him. as you know, and we've, and I talked a little bit about this a couple
0: weeks ago, we got together, we've gotten together now twice, right? In the last month or so to kind of like, am I right on that? Yeah. Jackson confirming to kind of go, okay, here's where it is, you know, and during the Rush Limbaugh thing, I called you guys cause I was down in Florida, so we couldn't get together. Um, and I'm sure, what the hell were you thinking by the way, when I called you, I said, listen, I've been off. <laughs> Did you, did you save me again or, was it time, or is it final this time um, yeah but uh, yeah yeah. I mean I'm just like you know and that's what I've said to people here I'm like and they'll go what do you want you've got to make a decision for your career I'm like well I want to do TMA <laughs> well you know that's not possible I'm like I don't think that's right <laughs> I think you're wrong
2: actually and so we'll, we'll what do you mean you it. can't see Doug <laughs> when he's, now Doug's going to live to be 90 probably when he's 84 <laughs> uh, I'm not going to be much good day. Uh, just get two new hips <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, man. It's just like, okay, we got this thing that we love doing. There's people who love it. Advertisers are getting a return. Why fuck with it? You know, you just, I mean, you consider yourself lucky that you get a chance to do it. You know, I mean, that's how I look at it. How, how Kelsey, I mean, if anything, gratitude, that's what I just want to keep up is I want to say it while it's good, because what winds up happening is you wind up saying these things after, after the bodies in the ground, you know, and it's more of a eulogy. And then you say all these great things while it's going on and while it's good. I want to express to the audience that all of us involved are grateful that we get to do this because usually in this business, you're holding on for dear life. You're taking scraps and you're probably doing something where you go, this isn't that fucking great, you know, and people don't even care if you're there or if you're not. And in this case, you know, we have, we have been incredibly fortunate, you know, and, uh, and you don't take that for granted. I remember driving back like on the ramp to 95, uh, I-95 to go to Roger Dean. And I don't know what year it was, maybe like 2008. So I was going, I've got to enjoy this because I know this isn't always going to be going on. You know, so you have to, you know, it's like you have this this one great love in your life. And, you know, it won't last forever. you got to enjoy it while it's going on. So that's, you know, But but you being a part of it for the last five years has taken it. I think it blew up in 2013 when people were paying attention to KFNS and what we were going to do because of the man woman thing was such an obvious joke and they wanted to see us win. And so we got a lot of attention then. And then I think you being a part of the show starting in 2016 was like the next big bump, um, that, that occurred, you know, yeah,
2: maybe I get my name on the open one of these days. <laughs>
0: Ah, well, I know so, there's been talk about it.
2: Such a big fucking part of the show. I can't even get on the open. <laughs> I, know, I know there's been, we are aware, there has been talk about I'm it. I'm just kidding. I really don't, it couldn't care less if my name's on the show. I just have fun with you guys every day, so I don't even care if I'm acknowledging anything as long as we have fun.
1: What I will say is when you were announced on the show that you were coming full-time onto the show in 2016, my brother and dad, who've been listening forever, texted me, they're like, oh, this is great, like, this is excellent news, I knew nothing really about you, and they were just like, just wait, Jack, like, you're gonna really enjoy this, and I was down on the floor that I was listening every day, and had been for years, and, uh, like, 30 minutes into the first show, I was like, yeah, this guy's fucking gold." Oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah. I, I
0: mean, it was instant, it's kind of like when the Plowhawk first opened up his mouth when we were 920, <laughs> and I, I didn't know who he was, he was just a fill-in board operator yeah. on 920, and right away, I'm like, oh my, this is a guy who, you know, yeah. we just gotta have, we gotta bring him in, you yeah. know, but... I remember Rand and I'm like, well, I would put him on TMA, but then I was in the back of my mind. I knew Doug, I we could we could sit with you know take your pick of whomever, and Doug would just do the show, and he'd yeah. be here at seven, he'd leave at ten, and yeah, there'd be that no life. difference. In it. But I was in the back of my mind, I'm like, okay, I hope the cat doesn't have any bad history with Iggy, and I hope the sea monster doesn't have any bad history with Iggy, because I really want this to happen. Yeah. So I remember going to them. And they're like, yeah, it would be great. And I go, God bless America, then let's do it. And that's how, that's how it all came. There's to not promotion. a lot of
2: people I have bad history with. And this, as long as I've been doing it, I have maybe two or three enemies. No. I've gotten along pretty much with everybody I've worked with. And I always got a bad rap. Yeah, that, is, that.
0: that, that is true.
2: And it was always two people that started that. I won't give their names. But there are two people that always started that. When I go to the station, oh, be careful for this fucking guy. Oh, he's a backstabber. And it's never true. But it's always these two people that start that shit.
0: Well, it's, it is, it, that is interesting. And it is, it, it is current for this, uh, free agency we're enjoying that, you know, as I have conversations with people, um, you know, I'll be like, yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll love Jackson, you know, and then like Iggy is a huge part of the show. And I'm like, well, tell me, about it. <laughs> so, tell me about it. And I go, I go, you know, I don't, and I don't know what, I don't know what that is. Like, are they like creeped out by like the hedonism stuff? I don't think that's it. And I'm just like, if, if he were a problem, I wouldn't have him as a part of the show. You know I mean? He's been an employee of mine. I think he received money from inside STL. There had it both certainly in 2013 for sure. And maybe part of the time at 1380 back in the day on, above the sex shop. Um, you know, not now you're a, a KFNS employee, just like me and Jackson are, but, but, uh, I, I don't know. Like, like there's just nothing. It's just not, it's just not accurate. So that sucks. That sucks, but I guess it's a good thing that people, more and more people are getting to realize, yeah, you might say shit that that might not let their line up with their worldviews or their lives, but as far as, like, being a problem goes, I mean, it's just, we, we you wouldn't be here if, if you were a problem, so I mean, that, he, that, that does suck, that actually bothers me, even though it doesn't impact me, that bothers me, yeah, it's true. It's, it's
2: always the same two people, and it, and it almost cost me getting the job. I truly uh, don't know who
0: they are, I will ask as soon as we yeah. stop
2: recording. Uh, it almost cost me a job at 590, because... Uh, I was going to work with uh, Ramsey and Vernetti, asked me to be their producer and co-host. And a couple of people said some things that got back to them. And and I, I think it's knowledge because uh, Randy acknowledged it, that I called it, wanted to talk to Randy. So I said, uh, you know, I'd like to, you never met me. Um, <clears throat> and I know there's some people that don't want me to come work there. Uh, even though it's Ramsey and Vernetti, I think we're buying their airtime. Um, and said, at least, can you talk to me? And he didn't call me back. And I kind of said something on Facebook. I said, I was supposed to start with those guys tomorrow. I said, I lined up Bob Costas and I lined up Joe Buck for their very first show. They'll still Did be on. Really? I said, they'll still be on, but I'm not part of the show. Uh, Cause this owner won't get back to me. Did that lead to him getting back to That you? led to him calling. Well, Randy's out on Facebook. And so he, it somebody gotten to somebody told him. You. Yeah, uh, And he apologized. He said, you know, I should have talked to you. And he said, well, can we have lunch? And we had lunch and we hit it off. And he, and he said, you're in. Um, but even then, when that came out that I was getting hired, Another person wasn't happy with it. Um, I'm anxious.
0: I think I know one, but I don't know who the second one is. So So again,
2: that's two people that said things about me that once you get to know me and said, I don't know what they're talking about. I've never understood
0: that. I I just, I've, I've, I've truly never understood that. Unless there's just people who with like the sex stuff, then associate that with no.
2: nothing to do with the sex stuff. That has something to do with. They thought something of me or something I did to them. And then just held it against and me, even both though both
0: people think this, or yeah, it's one and then it didn't happen, thing.
2: and then just try to trash every time I got a job, okay. which hasn't really worked. But they try.
0: Yeah. Well. Uh, well, the people here on this uh, radio program and podcast absolutely love you, so I'm glad we got to do this because there have been efforts to find a question for a deep dive, and we got... And I was I was truly curious. I, I mean, I obviously know some of the history, but not all of the history. Yeah, and totally. I didn't know how that
2: started. I didn't know it started from a softball game. Softball game. Well, you told me it'd be up 15 minutes, an hour and a half, so... <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. That's the podcast. I yeah, have fucking welcome. show notes to do. <laughs> it's, the, oh. it's the Adderall Festival.
2: I just want to get another fucker
0: there. So <laughs> all right, uh, Iggy, thank you. I got to continue because I got uh, live reads to do <laughs> and, and so on and so forth, so you can go do the show notes. Thank you, sir. It's been a pleasure. It's been fun, there boys. There he is, thanks, ladies thanks. and gentlemen, Kenneth Iggy Strode making his... Long-awaited reappearance on the uh, on the podcast here. Hey, uh, let me tell the good people about Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Jackson, I always hand it off to you because you are uh, you are working with Mark, yeah. but I, I I use him as like an advisor. That's how highly I think of Mark.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing is like if I, I I think if I had any problem in this world, and like for an odd reason I would, you know, not an odd reason, but Mark I would get Mark Hanna involved. He would give me sage advice. Because yes, that's he, what I'm talking he's about. He's highly intelligent. He's an unbelievable orator. Like the way he speaks makes you feel comfortable and educated at the same time. Um, and I so I I see where you're coming from on that. Uh, but in his bailiwick is finance, and he is the best at it. He's got me set up real well, real nice for the future, gave me some great tips, and uh, just broke it down for me in the simplest form because that was my understanding of finance, and now I'm much more confident. I can speak with my friends about uh, the way I'm saving money. And they're like, wow, you must be in the industry. No, I just deal with Mark Hanna. Yeah. Because he's the, really the best in the business. So if you don't have somebody, I mean, reach out to Mark Hanna. And if you do, make the switch because you know you don't want to work with someone who you don't trust. You want to work with someone you do trust, someone you can reach out to at any time. And that's Mark Hanna.
0: Man, look at you. There was no script in front of you.
1: No, Ad City over there. That was Ad
0: Lib City. 314 889 0503. Or go online at Evergreen S. TL.com. I have had, God, I think like two or three like hour-long conversations with Mark over the last couple of months. He just there is there is something uh, something different mm-hmm. about Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And uh, Jim Rogers of Restoration One of CentralSt Louis.com. If you are having any damage to your home, any water in your home, make sure you work with the great Jim Rogers of Restoration One. 314-565-1962. 314-565-1962. Whether you have a leak and a dishwasher, now you got water all over your home, a roof leaking, mold discovered behind a wall, whatever the case might be, Restoration 1 of Central St. Louis is the company you want to work with. Store the words water and mold in your phone along with this number, 314-565-1962 to get in touch with Jim Rogers and his great staff at restoration one of Central Louis dot com. restoration one Louis.com. Send in your questions, your comments, your request for deep dives uh, it, to me at team at of uh, We're soliciting erotic stories. We get uh, maybe one email for every 10 solicitations. Um, send them in. Team at Thank you to Zach for his uh, Iggy question. Because we've had a lot of like Jason Barrett or tell me about this. And I'm like, if we get into that, then we're going to get into things that are going to, yeah. can cause issues. So if Iggy's just telling his story and then that allowed us to kind of go into his TMA history. Um. So there you go, Jackson. Was that educational for you?
1: Loved it. I loved every second. I think that was great, and I think the audience is really going to enjoy that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad we could do it. So there you go. And I, I love doing deep dives I and mean, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. Um. You know, we got we have a bunch of questions saved up that I will save for next week's QFTA. But uh, send in more T McKernan at InsideSTL.com or just opinions, whatever the case might be. I mean, it's obviously a free for all today. Was a specific topic, but uh, anytime we enjoy doing it. Uh, it's Tim McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Thank you to all of our sponsors. Ryan Kelly, the com. Thank you to Seth Goldcamp, Design Air Heating and Cooling, James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, Jamie Burkhardt, Clayton Patterson, Munganess, Alton AltonToyota.com, and also Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies and Jim Rogers of Restoration One of Central St. Louis. For Action Jackson and our guest, Kenneth Iggy Strode, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition Of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Peloton,
1: let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from
2: world class instructors, we're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk free with a 30 day home trial.